we as human beings are always changing, always growing, always shifting. And so if you enter a conversation in that way, even with someone that you've been married to for 15 years, you'll discover something. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Today, I have Mark Green with me. Now, typically on this podcast, we've always interviewed somebody who is in B2B, marketing, sales, like talking about like nerdy topics like account-based marketing and leads and funnels. But in reality, we also are humans. And majority of the people who are listening either have uh, either our parents or have nieces, nephews, and, and our personal life plays a big role in how we conduct ourselves. And there's a big balance that we always have to focus on. How do we do things at home and how do we do things at business? So today, I'm going to break down the curtain and really talk about this idea of the relationship book on parenting that Mark wrote. And I saw one of his posts and I was so excited to see if we can talk about this as a topic. So Mark, thank you for taking the time and uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, man. So uh, share a little bit more about this book, this idea about yourself, and then also a fun fact to get people to get to know you a little bit better. All right. Well, you know, I, I'm moving slowly but inexorably into my golden years, but I had my son rather late in life, so he's 13 now. Mm-hmm. But the fun fact I share with people is that I, I still have a pretty sizable stack of comic books by my bed that I read. (laughs) You know, what's your favorite comic book? Well, my comic books all date from like (laughs) 40 years ago, but I'm a silver age DC Marvel guy. Oh, A lot of of Jack Kirby, a lot of that stuff. Uh, I love, I'm a big Marvel guy too, but I also, I've started to read with my son who's eight, the the whole Wimpy kid, the Diary of a Wimpy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. whole series i feel like i read it with him as much as he does and we every night we have this goal of like because he would be reading it all night if if i let it like happen uh-huh. so uh so we would be like hey, we're gonna read only 10 pages or five pages and, and that's it and we talk about it laugh about it it's, it's mm-hmm. one of the best things to get so so i love to hear more about your idea of this relationship book and and why did you write it well the title of the book is relational book for parenting and The term relational is actually relational capacities are capacities which help us remember to center on the relationship whenever we're interacting with someone else. And and often we talk about parent and children, you're talking about roles, right? The role of the parent as we see that and the role of the child. And often we get into a mindset as parents that our role is to teach and tell and our children's role is to learn and and then show us that they're, they're learning what we're teaching and telling them about life and living. But you, as a, as a guy who's done a lot of work in the business sector, you know probably better than anyone that it's actually in the relationships, the quality of the relationships, where business gets done, right? Yep. So this idea of centering the relational space, which uh, when we talk about relational thinking, uh, relational practices, those ideas came out of 
a particular part of psychotherapy or psychology, which is a couple in family therapy. And those folks came out of the social work movement in the 50s. So if you go to some psychologists, they will say, oh, your issues, your emotional issues, your whatever your business is, it, it's located in you and in your past. Mm-hmm. But a um, couple of family therapists will start to ask you what, well, if you've got an issue or a concern, what relationships are you embedded in and how are those operating? Yeah. So relational thinking is about centering relationships over roles learning to do relational capacities like listening with curiosity or holding uncertainty, considering context, all of these kinds of ideas. And you can apply these to parenting. You can apply them to adult couple relationships. You can apply them in the business context. We have a book that's coming out pretty soon called The Relational Book for Organizations. And it's basically a set of these relational capacities that you can use to sort of create more generative more creative, more leveling processes whereby you can engage some of the bigger business challenges that that are being faced today, which include diversity and and that whole idea of how to manage the the demand for diversity among millennials and corporations are beginning to understand that being able to engage across difference, to connect, to to co-create, to collaborate, all of these ideas it's hard enough, you know, it's hard enough for us to do it in a cohort of people who look and sound like us. But when we start to talk about the global economy and the ways in which businesses are beginning to look like a wide range of cultures, gender, et cetera, then this ability to connect and relate across difference is huge. Yeah, I could not agree with me. And I made a note on this idea of diversity. Initially, for me, I always used to think, yeah, whenever I heard the word diversity, I just meant I just felt like it diversity in sex, diversity in color, diversity in nationality and ethnicity and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then later on, I started to really recognize as we build the company Terminus and stuff, it's really diversity of thought that mm-hmm. we all are really trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And you can't get that diversity of thought without all the other types of diversity inputs that you could get. So I'm, I'm curious as to when you think about organizational marketing and you know all these kind of things, and you think about this relationship around parenting, how mm-hmm. does these two things relate to each other? Like maybe an example of parenting that relates to an example of business challenge. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, is there's always in an organization or in a family or in a parenting relationship, there's always a power difference, right? Who's considered to be the authority? Who's considered to be the leader? All of those kinds of ideas. And we can fall into the pattern of defaulting to knowing or teaching and telling. But we know and understand that when we're attempting to get to to sort of get to a conclusion in a process like designing a marketing program or whatever it is we might be doing on the business side, it parallels what happens with children Mm -hmm. when we're trying to come to a better understanding of, of how to solve a problem or deal with an issue. And one of the central ideas that works in both cases is this idea of holding uncertainty. So if you're a parent and your kid has a challenge at the park, he scrapes his knee, gets in a fight, whatever, you can immediately default to a teaching and telling mode. Well, the next time that kid does that to you, you need to do X, Y, Z or whatever. Or you can instead take on a little bit of a not knowing position and begin asking questions and explore a wider range of possibilities 
and also let that other individual begin to bring their own solutions. Because when those ideas come from that other individual, instead of you teaching and telling, then you get more buy-in from them, but they also come up often enough with ideas that are a better fit for the context that they're dealing with. So this, this same kind of a process of holding uncertainty and listening with curiosity and sort of understanding that if I don't bring the answer right away, but I wait and see what emerges out of this space of not knowing for a little while, what you get is a lot more possibilities that you can select from and you get people who may not be at the top of the power structure getting more of a chance to sort of bring their own ideas and buy into them in that moment. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I have a saying that I've, uh, I've said a couple of times on the podcast is like, it's not leadership in many ways. I feel like, and I think there's just so many layers to it, right? I think nobody can yeah. Really yeah. always define any of that stuff, but at least from what I've learned and observed and felt is that leadership is not about telling what to do to your team, but it's, it's more or less around like how to think around a certain problem. So when I, when we as a company or when, when I, in the marketing team or sales team or, or just conversations, it's like, I, I all feel like, wait, that's not the way I would do it. I have to resist myself to say, hey, then let's not do that and have to like, well, that's not how we do it. Why don't we do it? And then we have to go back to, in my mind, I literally have to go back to the core values of the company. Like, well, what is this, the foundation of the company? Mm-hmm. Well, this is why, I, this is my core value, this is our core value, now this is company's core value. And this is why I'm not, I don't, not comfortable with this way of approach. Yeah. But in many ways, I have to hold myself back from immediately telling what it is right. and take a couple of steps back and, and go back to like almost mental drawing board of like, well, why, well, why shouldn't we do it? Or, or figuring out how do I help everybody think how to think about a particular problem. With kids, I've observed this with my son who's eight. Yeah. He actually gets this. He knows that I'm playing this game, if you will, when I say, oh, what happened? So what do you think we should do about it? What would you do? And he, like three questions in, he's like, dad, you always do that. Like, and so he has got that in. I wonder, yeah. like, is there a better way to not make it like sound? So, because I feel like I'm- Like I'm, he knows you're He knows you going to bring the answer on question number five, but he yeah. says, so why do we have to go through the first four? Yes. Right, right, right. And that, and there's a parallel of that in business. Here's the thing that, that we confront as, as parents and I think as, as leaders in business, We want, you know, people come in with a certain level of expertise or knowledge or confidence or capacity, and we want to grow that. We want to grow that in our children. We want to grow that in the teams that we work with. And the only way to do that is to leave that open space for them to speak into and not not in a way where they're trying to guess what we expect. But instead, literally, we need more answers than I, I can bring. I may be a great leader. I may be a great parent. I may have all these really good ideas but there's a limit to what I can come up with creatively. Yes. So the question becomes, is it, a, is it a context in which people are waiting around for me to go ahead and tell them what, what I think ought to be done? Or am I genuinely curious about what else we can bring and what other possibilities will emerge from a, a little bit wider ranging context? There are times with your children when you need to teach and tell. There are times in business when you need to be assertive about an idea that you think is crucial. But if the context is always one in which you're the, the expert and you're the one who's going to give the answer, then you're going to end up with an organization where nobody's creative muscles are ever getting flexed 
and they're not growing those, you know, through the trial and error process, they're not growing those capacities. Same yeah. thing happens with our kids. They end up knowing exactly what's expected of them, but when you put them off on their own, they don't have any sense of self-actualization or how to activate their own creative capacities. So you have to strike a balance in those. Yeah, I, I totally, totally love that. One of the things that you have in your book, which I really love, and i love for you to expand on that, was we live the stories we tell. Right. It really made me think, I mean, I was just, even just looking at the title, I was like, mm-hmm. that is so true. So mm-hmm. can you expand on that a little bit? Well, I want to tie it to an idea called listening with curiosity, which is part of this holding uncertainty and this way of sort of letting more possibilities emerge, if you will. And when we talk about living the stories we tell, we all come into processes with other human beings in relationship where, let's say, for instance, you've been married for 15 years and you're pretty Uh, sure you know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, my God. Or 30 or 50 years, you know, whatever the case may be. You've been with your, ch- your child's eight, so you've spent eight years with this child. We, we as human beings have a tendency to begin to say, yeah, I know that person and I know how that person's going to respond. And I'm pretty sure, you know, we have this issue to talk about. I'm pretty sure how they're going to re- answer to that. But so let's begin the process of talking about it. Maybe an issue, I don't, whatever it might be between a couple or kids or in a workplace. In the moment that we go into a conversation, we can instead say, I'm going to intentionally listen with curiosity. I'm going to intentionally expect to be surprised by what I hear. I'm going to intentionally expect to hear things that I haven't heard before. And the fact of the matter is, we as human beings are always changing, always growing, always shifting. And so if you enter a conversation in that way, even with someone that you've been married to for 15 years, you'll discover something. And it works like this. Every conversation about any issue you want to deal with has multiple threads, right? Maybe 10 of them. Now, clearly, one of those threads is probably going to match up pretty well to your expectation, right? To what you expected to hear. If If that's the thread you decide to accent and follow and pursue and go with, then sure enough your expectation for how that conversation is going to go is pretty much going to play out. But if you listen with curiosity instead for the other threads, which may be smaller and less distinctive, newer, kind of green, new growth, and you say, hey, what about that thing over there that you said? Tell me more about that. That sounds new. Then the conversation simply takes a different turn. It's no longer you predictively following your expectations, but instead it's a wider exploration. And in that moment, You're acknowledging that this person who you think you know pretty well is in fact changing all the time and is going to bring new possibilities to even to longstanding challenges. That's just a mindset. But we live the stories we tell in the sense that if we expect a certain story to be true about someone, we have a way of making that be the case. Yeah. It becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. around like, okay, I expect this to happen. So even the questions, the way I might ask will start. You'll be leading the witness and it narrows down the possibilities of the conversation, right? So we as human beings do this because it's a way that we get shortcuts and move quickly through things and, and sort of, but we get so into the habit of predicting outcomes, providing answers, teaching and telling that whole line which has its purpose in life that we don't necessarily, like I, I, I have something that I say all the time. I say, I say to people, if you, if you gave me magical powers and I could have anything I want to be happy, 
and I could list them off, you know, millions of dollars and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a movie star and whatever it might be, whatever I could think of. And seriously, I could think about it for a long time and really come up with a list. That list would be limited to my imagination about myself and my world. And it is in relationship with other people that a truly remarkable list gets created. Because when we hear what other pe- how other people would speak into that idea, we go, oh my God, I never thought about that. And that's really a better, if I have to you know, condemn myself to an eternity of happiness, I'd rather have it be a combination of ideas among people versus what I could ever come up with on my own. I love that, Tom. And that actually just happened maybe two hours ago for me. We're going through the newsletter that we are sending through Flip My Funnel where we write all these things. And Caitlin, who runs that, she said, hey, you know what? You used to send this one thing email to the entire company once upon a time. And that was, didn't, it didn't have an agenda. It, didn't, it wasn't to get people to think about marketing all the time. It was just personal, like simple. It was straightforward. It was plain text. It, it was, she's like, I miss that. Like, that's, that's mm. what we need to get back to. We need to get back to this human thing. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let's just, uh, let's just start adding. And I, I personally, I did used to do that. And I, I forgot about it until she brought up like two years ago, yeah. Yeah. do that. And we didn't. And so you, this whole collective of like other people knowing more about what actually works or ideas and, and having that culture that that's spot on. All right, so I'm going to, I mean, I took a whole bunch of notes. I'm going to add a lot to the show notes and I'm going to try to summarize maybe two or three big ideas. And then, then Mark, I would love for you to share a, a challenge with, with people, with parents, with, you know, we just like leadership way, like what, what does she try to do or take yeah. action? So, so first of all, I love, love this, this idea that, that you started off with that as a business leader, I know this is to be so true, but also as a family person, I think it couldn't be more true that quality of relationship pretty much runs the house, house being your personal house or, you know, your business, quality of relationship really matters. And I think we all could spend a little bit more time, put a little bit more effort towards whatever are the most important relationships in life. So I love that, that idea. And I, I'm mm-hmm. glad you started off right of the gates with this quality of relationship style. The other part that I really took a lot of notes on this idea was the power different. I feel like we may not know sometimes, but we carry certain power in any conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's always a power thing. You, you think about it, especially when you're a leader, you don't think about it. You just walk in a room and say something and you don't know how it's going to affect people. But people take that and think about it or do something. And so we all need to be aware of the power difference there. And instead of getting, as you said, in the teaching telling mode, get to this idea of listening with curiosity more. And I love that balance. So I made a note of it and then I'm going to make sure I write it down as something that I need to be aware of just in the, in the meetings. And then, then the last thing, there's so many other things, but the last thing is, is the, the, the whole example you started talking about. I feel like we all need more answers. And I feel like that takes a level of empathy and recognition that you don't have all the answers. And the best leaders, the best parents, and the best, I think all of this is like to admit to yourself that you don't have all the answers. You certainly don't have all the best answers. And when you open up to that with curiosity, leaning in, all, and, and think about the relationship, people around you, you hired them or they're around you because they're for a reason. I feel like things would spun up. I love that this this idea of raising kids and leadership, I think there's more overlap than I thought before this conversation started. Mm. So 
I don't know if I did justice to our conversation, but I, I feel like those were really big ideas for me. I'd love for you to do, give a challenge to everybody who's listening. I understand. The, when we talk about centering relationships, what we're really basically acknowledging is that everything we are, everything we learn, everything we become, all we believe is created in relationship with other people. And when we, set re- the, when we cease to center relationships and instead begin to fall into the pattern of centering roles, we're basically stripping out of our lives that generative space, right? Relationships is, are, are what creates everything. And it is in the relating, the step-by-step back and forth, what happens between people. There's a huge amount of power in there for us to, to resolve differences, to fix problems, to generate creative ideas. It's all in the relating, literally, sentence by sentence, turn by turn, what happens between people. So what I would ask people to challenge themselves with now is to slow down your daily process enough to, to imagine for a moment a relational space between you and the person you're working with and ask yourself the question, the next thing I say, how is it going to impact that, the quality of that relationship? And what's going on in the turn-by-turn moments here that I could shift a little bit in order to let this person feel heard and seen, but also to take advantage of what gets created when I'm not driving through to some end goal all the time or focused on a role. I love it. I, I love that. I think this idea of thinking about how it affects your relationship question by per, question, turn by turn shows that you care. Today. So Mark, thank you so much for your time and sharing. Um, I think people should pick up a copy of it. Thank you for sending one to me. Uh, I loved it, especially the part where you, you really talked about that the stories we tell and how they live is really important. So yep. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it very much. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.